0: Well, happy Easter, everyone, and welcome to Orchard Church. We are so thrilled to have each and every one of you here today. This is the weekend that we get to celebrate the fact that our God is not dead. The stone has been rolled away, the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive. If you believe that, let me hear from you. Amen. Amen. We are also super excited to launch a brand new four-week series today on Easter called Awake, and we're going to be doing this series talking about the afterlife, what happens after this life is over, because the Bible tells us that God has placed eternity in the hearts of people, and so we have a lot of questions about the afterlife, and there's got to be more than just this, and there is, and one of our favorite values here at Orchard Church is this value that asks the question, what does the Bible say? We always ask, what does the Bible say? So we're going to look at the Bible, look at the scriptures about the afterlife through this series. And let me kind of tell you where we're going. You don't want to miss any of this. You're going to learn a lot in this series. Next week, we're going to talk about what happens the moment after we die, after we pass from this life. And we're going to look at three things in the Bible. Some of these might surprise you that happen to every person the moment after we pass from this life. Um, Also in this series, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about hell. Uh, We're going to answer questions like, um, is heaven? heaven real? Uh, what's it like? Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? What are we going to do for all eternity in heaven? I mean, is it just going to be this one long, boring worship service? Are we going to be naked, bald little babies floating around on clouds playing harps, or, or is there more to it? And I don't know about you guys, but I want to know what am I going to look like in heaven? And I'm just praying and hoping that I'm going to be six foot tall when I get to heaven. I'm gonna get those extra inches that I got shorted down here. I know some of y'all are guests and you're like, you look pretty tall up there on that stage. Well, this is an illusion, all right? If you meet me out in the lobby, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm about 5'5 five, five on a good day with some heels and that's rounding up, okay? But, but I'm, I'm planning on six foot in heaven. And then we're gonna answer some questions about hell. Um, a lot of different beliefs today about hell. Does it really exist or not? Is it just made up? Uh, who's gonna be there? Who's not gonna be there? Is it really gonna be a place of suffering? Is there going to be fire or are people, just going to be kind of hanging out down there like one eternal party, playing cards with their frat buddies. What's hell really going to be like? And then this is a question. This is probably one of the most common questions that people ask about the afterlife, especially when it comes to heaven. Are my pets going to be in heaven? Are my pets going to be there? Well, this is my opinion. Okay, I don't have scripture for this, but this is my opinion. Take it or leave it. If you're a dog lover, I absolutely, without a doubt, believe there will be dogs in heaven. I've got some dogs I'm planning to see again. However, if you're an owner of one of those other kind of pets, it's not looking good. That's just my opinion. It's not looking good. Because I plan on being in heaven, and if there's a bunch of cats running around, that's hell to me, all right? I'm just keeping it real, right? Now, now listen, I really don't hate cats. I, don't, I definitely don't hate cat lovers. I just don't want one, okay? So we're going to have fun in this series and, and we're going to answer some, some questions for you. But we're kicking off this series today called Awake about the afterlife because that's what Easter is all about. It's about the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect sinless life. He died on a cross. He was laid in a borrowed tomb because he only needed it for three days because on the third day he came awake and he came back to life. And because Jesus is alive we can be made alive. That's the Easter story. And I love the fact that Easter lands in the springtime for us. That it's a time that things that have lied dormant and, and dead all winter long are now coming to life and coming awake. And so I took some pictures of some things that are signs and pictures of new life in the spring. And this first picture is my wife Shelly's flower bed. This is right out in front of our house. I took this two days ago. And these are some tulips that uh, started to sprout up and come to life. And they're starting to bloom. And that's certainly a sign of new life and spring. And I, I now know that those little green leaves turn into beautiful flowers called Tulips. I did not always realize that. I learned the hard way 27 years ago, when I first started dating my wife, she was living at home with her parents and they needed their yard mowed. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna impress my hopefully future wife and future in-laws and I'm gonna mow their yard. I'm in the backyard and I'm mowing along and I see all these just green leaves along the fence. And I thought it was weeds. It wasn't. It was tulips. And I just mowed them right down. I come back in the house and my wife and future mother-in-law were looking at me just like this. I did not get started off on a good foot, but they've forgiven me uh, for that. Uh, This next picture is, I think, a sign of new life and spring. This is Rocky's opening day. I took this at the opening day. Any Rockies fans in the house? Come on. That is a sign of spring and new life. Now, I understand, Rockies fans, it did not start off well. All right, we started off a little dead, a little dormant, but they're coming to life. They've won five out of six, and things are starting to to look up and look a little bit better. And then on a personal note in our family, uh, we experienced an incredible new life for the first time uh, this spring. On March 8th, uh, our granddaughter, Shiloh Ray, was born, and we became grandparents, believe it or not. And so she's six weeks old now, and we're loving that new life. And then this last picture I wanna set up and and I wanna share with you in just a moment. I had to travel 7,000 miles to get this picture. And this picture comes from Israel, the Holy Lands. We went on a church trip over there. And this picture is of the garden tomb that many believe this is the tomb that Jesus was laid in, that he rose from the dead. And there's a a sign on the door that says this, he is not here for he is risen. And that tomb is empty to this day. Perfect, beautiful picture (laughs) of new life. And that is what Easter is all about. Easter is all about Jesus offering us the opportunity to come awake, to have new life, to have a fresh start, to be made new, to have a second chance or a do-over. If you're a golfer, we call it a mulligan. How many of you guys have ever needed a do-over in your life? I know I have. That's the power of the resurrection, that we can have a second chance. We can have new life. And I believe without a doubt many of you today are about to experience the most significant day of your entire life. The most significant day. Maybe you've had some experiences in your life where there have been some things that have died or passed away. There have been some things that have, have uh, become dormant in your life. Uh, maybe it's a loss of a job or a career or, or maybe a dream has died or you've lost a marriage or a relationship. Well, the good news this Easter is Easter, Jesus gives us the opportunity and the chance to come awake, to have a fresh start and have a new life. I want us to look at one passage this Easter Sunday. If you have your Bibles or mobile devices, turn to the book of Ephesians in your New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2. We also have it on the back of your New so, you can follow along, and we'll put it on the screen as well. But let me tell you a little bit about Ephesians chapter 2. This was written by a man named Paul. We actually know him today as the Apostle Paul. Now, he wrote most of our New Testament, but he did not start out as a Christian and a believer. As a matter of fact, when we first are introduced to him in the Bible, he is not a follower of Christ, he's not a disciple. He actually hated Christians and he wanted to persecute Christians. He didn't believe in Jesus, he didn't believe his claims at all. He hated Christians. And then one day, Paul runs into Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and Savior that had rose from the dead and it changed his life radically forever. His life was never the same again. And from that point forward, he went around the known world, starting churches and telling everybody that Jesus is alive and Jesus can change your life. And he's, he started some churches in an area called Ephesus. And so he's writing back to Christians living in Ephesus. That's where we get the book of Ephesians. And these are believers. But what he's gonna do in the first 10 verses, that's all we're gonna look at today. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 1 through 10 what he's doing is he's reminding them what their life was like spiritually before they accepted Christ and put their faith in him and now what their life is like afterward and it's amazing what Paul is going to talk about Now, now let me tell you up front this about this passage in this passage there's some bad news and there's some good news Sometimes I come home, my wife says, well, I got some good news, I got some bad news today. And she's like, what do you want to hear first? And I always say, give me the bad news first, let's get that out of the way, and let's end on a happy note, the good news. I remember many years ago, my daughter, um, she was about four years old, I came home from work and my wife met me at the door and she goes, you're not going to believe what your daughter did today. Notice she's my daughter because she did something bad. And I'm like, what? She goes, well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. I said, okay, give me the bad news first. She goes, well, she got out all her crayons and her paint and uh, she colored all over the walls uh, in her room, everywhere. And I said, what's the good news? She has artistic ability. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, makes me feel a little bit better. Get out the paint. Let's cover that up. So, so we're going to have some bad news for a couple of verses, but then we're going to hear some really, really good news. So watch what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, first describing what someone's life is like before putting their faith and trust in Jesus. He says this, once you were what, church? Dead. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Paul says we started out spiritually dead. And you're probably here today and you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm dead. I don't think I'm dead. Maybe ask the person next to you, do I look dead to you? Don't answer that, okay? But here's what Paul's saying. Don't miss this. He's saying it's possible to be physically alive, but yet be spiritually dead. Some of you that like the show, The Walking Dead, Paul would say before somebody puts their faith and trust in Christ, they're physically alive but they're spiritually dead. They're the walking dead. And he says, this is what it was like before we said yes to Jesus. We were dead. This word dead can also be translated separated. We were, we were dead because of our sins and separated. Separated from what? Separated from who? Separated from our God, our creator, that wants a relationship with us. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, nine two. you can check it out later, it says this, our sins have separated us from a relationship with our God. So if we've ever sinned in our life, before faith in Christ, that means we are spiritually dead. So let's take a little poll. Let's all play along. I'll, I'll play along as well. By a show of hands, if you think really hard, how many of you would say you probably sinned maybe at least one time in your life? Would you raise your hand? Be honest, okay? Okay, look around. Boy, that's, that's a lot of people right there. Okay, put them down. Anybody next to you that didn't raise their hand just now, just say, you just sinned because you lied to everybody in church. <laughs> We've all sinned. We've all messed up. And because of it, Paul says we're spiritually dead. He goes on in verse 2 and tells, tells us about how that affects our life. He says in verse 2, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us, everybody say all of us. Not some, not most, all of us used to live that way before faith in Christ, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Paul says before someone comes to faith in Christ, they're dead spiritually because of their sin and they live a sinful lifestyle just like the rest of the world. And if I could describe uh, what just like the rest of the world means, it's kind of the motto that goes like this. If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. That's how most of the world lives. I tried to live that way one time in my life. When I was in college, um, even though I'd grown up in a Christian home, I kind of decided, you know, I'm going to try life without God and try it my way. And if it feels good, do it. And you know what? I made a mess of my life. And if you've ever tried that motto, just like the rest of the world, to just, you know, if it feels good, do it, then, you know, the great theologian, Dr. Phil, would ask you this question. How's that working for you? It doesn't work very well, does it? What causes us to live like that? It's, what did Paul say in verse 3? It's our sinful nature. That's what causes us to live that way. It's our sinful nature. We, and we were born with this sinful nature. Um, we inherited it from our parents, that got it from our grandparents, that got it from our great-grandparents. You could trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden and the first couple, Adam and Eve, and they sinned. We, we were born with a natural sin nature before faith in Christ. And if you're a parent, I don't have to convince you of this. How, how many of you uh, here this Easter are parents? You have kids. Would you raise your hand nice and high? If you have kids, okay, put them down. How many of you sometimes wish you didn't have? No, don't answer that. Okay, that's, I shouldn't have asked that. That. But if you're a parent, I'm a parent. When I raised my kids, I understood real quick they were born with a sin nature. I don't know about your kids, but my kids' first words out of their mouth was, was not something like this. Mommy, how can I help you today? <laughs> Mommy, how can I be a blessing to you today? Daddy, would you teach me how to share with my friends? No, if your kids are like my kids, they were born with a sin nature. Their first words were words like mine and no and why because of our sin nature. So don't miss this, here's the bad news. Paul says, before someone comes to faith in Christ, we were spiritually dead. We were the walking dead. We were spiritually dead. We were separated from a relationship with God. We were cut off from God. We didn't have a relationship with him because of our sins. We were helpless and we were absolutely hopeless and there was nothing we could do about it. Welcome to Orchard Church this Easter. We preach a feel good message, right? Now, that's the bad news. How many are ready for some good news? Okay, because it's about to get good. In verse 4 through 7, and this isn't just good news. This is great news. This is amazing news. This is incredible news. For some of you, this is going to be the best news of your life that you have ever heard. Let's pick it up. Here comes the great news in verse 4. Look at the first two words. I love this. Let's say it together. But God. Everybody say, but God. But God, when we were dead because of our sins, separated helpless and hopeless from God, but God did something about it. God stepped in. Listen, I believe some of you this Easter are going to have a but God moment. This is what's been happening in my life. This is what's been going on. But God stepped in and changed everything. It says in verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, here's the story of Easter, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved and I have been saved, for he raised us from the dead. Because Jesus is alive, we can be made alive. Because Jesus came awake from the dead, we can come awake from being spiritually dead. And he goes on, he says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God could point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. That is incredible news this Easter. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know what your spiritual condition is. I don't know what your relationship with God is. That's between you and God. But we talk to people all the time here at Orchard Church and we hear stories like this. Uh, Somebody invited me to come to church. I haven't been in church in years. or I've never been to church before. Maybe a friend, a coworker, neighbor, a family member invited you uh, maybe to come to this Easter service. And so you said, well, that might be a good thing. So you showed up. But I know what's going on in your heart and your life. You're like, I I know the things I've done. I know where I've messed up. And I'm afraid if I walk into church, lightning might strike. We hear that sometimes. And you may feel like you don't belong here today. And you don't fit in here today. But can I tell you on the behalf of the Orchard Church family and God's word and God himself, every single one of you absolutely belongs here today. You absolutely belong here today. Here's what we know as a church, we are all sinners and that's why we need a savior and his name is Jesus. That's, that's why we're here. And this is for anyone. It's for anyone that will accept it by faith. And and why did God provide this for us? Why why did he send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for for us? Because of his love. Paul said he loved us so much, he did this for us. And I talk to people all the time that have a hard time giving their life to God because they've never experienced that kind of love, unconditional love. Maybe you've, you've never experienced that kind of love from your parents or your spouse or your friends. Well, I have some great news this Easter. No one will ever love you as much as Jesus loves you. And Jesus didn't just say he loved us. It's one thing to say we love someone. He showed his love. He proved his love. When 2,000 years ago, he went to the cross, he stretched out his arms, and he was nailed to that cross to pay for our sins. And Jesus, in essence, said this, I love you this much. Enough to die for you. That's, That's some real love. If you agree, say yes, church. That's amazing love. That's amazing love. And this Easter, Jesus doesn't offer you just an opportunity to turn over a new leaf. He offers you new life. He offers you an opportunity to come awake and come alive. And if you're here today and you would say, man, I want in on that. I've been interested in that. I've been looking for that. Maybe you've been looking your whole life for fulfillment and satisfaction in the things the world has to offer and you found that they leave you empty and unsatisfied over and over and over again. What you've been looking for is Jesus. Jesus. You just didn't realize it. And if you're here today and you would say, man, I want that new life, I want that second chance. I wanna come alive spiritually. I don't wanna be spiritually dead. How do I do it? What what do I have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked, because Paul's about to tell us in three of my favorite verses in all the Bible, in verse eight through 10, watch what Paul says. This is how it happens. Here's how we can come awake in Christ. He says, God saved you. What, What did he need to save us from? Our sins and death and separation from God God saved you by his what, church? By his grace. We sang about that to open this service, the amazing grace of God. The word grace means unmerited favor. It means we didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's the grace of God. A great way to remember the definition of the word grace, G-R-A-C-E, is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what God did for us. He says... God saved you by his grace when you were a really religious person. Is that that what the Bible says? God saved you by his grace when you did more good than bad. Is that what he said? No. God saved you by his grace when you what, church? When you believed. When you believed in Jesus. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And don't miss this in verse 10. Salvation. Salvation. New life, a fresh start, coming awake is not a reward for the good things we have done. So, none of us can boast about it. We didn't do it. God did it for us, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, how church? He has created us anew. Everybody say anew. A new, a new life, a new start. He has created us anew in who? Christ. Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That is what Easter is all about. You see, before Jesus, we were spiritually dead. We were spiritually cut off. And then Jesus stepped in and he changed everything. And all we have to do is believe it. This word believe can also be translated faith. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in God. You see, faith is only as good as what we put our faith in. You better make sure you put your faith in the right thing, in the right place. Some people say, well, I put my faith in the stock market. Eh, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not so good. I put my faith in people. Be careful with that. Have you realized what I've realized in my life, that there's one thing you can always count on when it comes to people? You can't always count on people. They'll let you down. Be careful, careful where you put your faith. I could say, man, I have all the faith in the world that this is the year that the Colorado Rockies finally, first time in their history, are gonna win the World Series. I hope. I hope, but it's it's a maybe. We don't know. We don't know for sure. But here's the thing. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's a 100% sure thing. It is a done deal. That's the power of the resurrection. Other religious, yeah, let's praise God for that. Amen. You say, well, how, how can we know that? How can you be so sure? How can you be so sure, Pastor Doug? Here's how I can be so sure. A lot of religious leaders have come to this earth, and they've taught some good things, and they've died, and they're still dead today. But Jesus came to this earth. He taught us how to have a relationship with God. He died. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead. Nobody else can claim that. That's why we can trust him. We can believe him. He conquered death, hell, and the grave that we might have everlasting life. Notice what Paul said in this passage. We are not saved. We're not forgiven. We don't have a relationship with God because of the good things we've done. It's not a reward for the good things we've done. You see, because before we put our faith and trust in Christ, what did Paul say? We were spiritually what? Dead. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a dead person do anything. We can't do anything. That's why God did it for us. That's why it's a gift. We just can accept by faith. And what's amazing to me is that 98% of all the religions of the world will tell us, if you want to go to heaven and have your sins forgiven in a relationship with God, then here's all the things you must do, and here's all the things you must not do. And it's a list of do's and don'ts and religious duties. And that's putting faith in ourselves instead of putting faith in what Jesus did. And this may be the most important thing that I tell some of you. This can be mind opening when you you hear this and understand what the Bible says. This is the difference between religion and biblical Christianity. Religion says, this is how man works his way back to God through good works and deeds. Biblical Christianity, what the Bible teaches is, man can do nothing to work his way back to God. So God in his love and his grace and his mercy worked his way back to man. And all we have to do is accept it by faith. And we say it all the time this way here at Orchard Church. Amen. Listen, if you're looking for religion, you've come to the wrong place. This is not a religious church. We're not religious people. I am not a religious pastor. People say you're, you're about religion. No, I'm not. For 14 years since Orchard Church started, we don't offer religion to anyone. We offer a relationship with the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is what it's all about. That is what it's all about. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for us and saying yes in faith and belief to that. Paul, a little bit later in this same letter, in Ephesians 5.14, we'll put it on the screen, said it this way. What's the first word? Let's say it nice and loud together, Orchard Church. Awake. Everybody say awake. Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I want you to hear a story right now of a couple that recently started coming to Orchard Church, Richard and Erica, and how they have found amazing new life in a relationship with Jesus. This is their story.
1: Do you want to introduce yourself first
2: do we do like a hi America? am hi <laughs> or he's richard kind of
1: ah uh, just uh jump around churches you know and the reason why i was mostly was because of her and her uh, her family there you know she was raised in a christian home um and i came from a totally different background Um, you know, and her, her dad and mom and everyone were trying, always trying to get me to go to church, you know, and I used to help out at this church we used to go to. I used to do sound, but I was just there just to be there. You know, I didn't understand anything. I didn't know anything.
2: I grew up in a, a Christian home. My parents took me and my siblings to church pretty much every weekend. My dad was on the praise and worship team. He was the praise and worship leader. He, he got really sick and, um, He passed away in August of 2014. So I told myself I just needed a little bit of time away from church, but that little bit of time turned into five years. Almost, you know, this August he'll be gone for five years. And um, I just told myself that if I distanced myself from going to church and church people, that it would be easier for me to heal. And it wasn't. (laughs) That took a huge toll on us and our marriage and I think this past summer is just when, you know, we realized that we needed to start changing things and we needed to get into a church regularly and we needed to have a community of people because relying on ourselves for getting through life just wasn't working for us. And, you know, when we came to Orchard, it was, there was just something that we felt just the first time being there. And I knew that we could experience healing and we could experience community with, people and that's what we needed.
1: We're actually getting rebaptized, or yeah, both of us are getting rebaptized again uh Easter Sunday because now I know, like now I know that um it's just all about what Jesus has done for me. I used to be that person who was like, like church, no, I don't know about like all this stuff. Like it just seems weird. It's not my thing. I've never been around it, so I'm probably not gonna start getting into it. I know what it's like to be that person. It's been amazing uh, to see where I was and how far God has got me, even if he had to grab my hand and drag me <laughs> through some things. I mean, even like friends and family, like when they see like, you know, just who I am now and how far I've come, they're just like, like what happened to you? And I'm like, I got saved, man. Like I got saved. That's what happened. Now I know that um, it's just all about what Jesus has done for me. I, I always, you know, I thought, you know, like I need to do this, this and this to, to earn my salvation, you know, in order for God to love me, I need to, I need to do this and be this kind of person and be this and this and this. And I just totally missed the message. And it's, it's not about like what I've done. It's about what Jesus has done.
0: Would you join me in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment? I believe without a doubt there's some of you here today that, man, you can really identify with that story. And you may not have been looking for God and pursuing him, but he's been looking for you and he's been pursuing you all of your life. I believe for some of you to bring you to this day and this moment, Easter 2019, to finally say yes to Jesus, your Lord and Savior to come awake spiritually, to have new life, to have a second chance. Romans ten thirteen, Paul said this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone, anyone means anyone, no matter who you are, what you've done. And if you're here today and you'd say, I want that, I need that in my life. I'm tired of running from God, I wanna to run to God. I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith. Out loud in just a moment, and I'm gonna invite some of you to pray this for the first time. It's it's not a magic prayer, these aren't magic words that we say, but if it comes from a heart of belief and faith, you can experience new life with Jesus beginning today. If that's you, you know who you are. Would you pray this from your heart to God's right now? It goes like this Jesus, I do believe in you. I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord and Savior. I want to know you and follow you. Forgive me of my sins. I want new life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed, and eyes closed for just a moment. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, and I know some of you did, I would love, love the privilege to pray for you right now that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So without anyone else looking around in just a moment, on a count of three. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just lift up your hand nice and high so I can see it, so I can pray for you. One, two, three, lift them up. Yeah, God, God bless you back here. Oh gosh, 10, 15 hands right here in this section. Uh, six or seven in this section. God bless you guys here. Many on the left in the back. Yes, God bless you over there. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you on my right. Yes, I see you over here on the right. Hands everywhere, too, too many to count. We praise God for that. Let me pray for you. So I'm praying for those that have said yes to Jesus those of you that are here today and you came in as a believer you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior would you just take a moment right now this Easter and thank Him from the bottom of your heart for His death, burial and resurrection and that He has forgiven our sins and given us new life thank him right now in this moment heavenly father we thank you for all those saying yes to you in faith today as lord and savior we welcome them into the family of god as our brothers and sisters in christ may they grow to love you as much as you have loved them when we praise you when we thank you that because of your death burial and resurrection we can have life and we can come awake and we can spend eternity with you we pray all this in jesus name and everybody said Amen. amen amen hey can we celebrate big time orchard church right now those saying yes to jesus amen Amen. For some of you, you just experienced the most significant moment of your entire life, coming awake and having new life in Christ. And listen, God doesn't want you to miss what has happened in this moment. God wants you to remember this moment. God wants you to mark this moment in your life. And in the Bible, God has given us an outward symbol of what has happened inwardly because of our faith in Jesus and coming alive, and it's called baptism. Twenty-seven Over 27 times in the Bible, what you see is it says somebody believed in Jesus. They came alive, they came awake, and then they got baptized. It says they believed and they were baptized. They believed, it was like almost instantaneously, the, the two things happened. And we, we find Jesus in a moment of faith, but the first step in following Jesus is to go public with our faith in baptism. And we have people at every service, every week here at Orchard Church that say yes to Jesus. And, and we'll do that for you know a couple of months and then we'll have a baptism quarterly for all those that said yes to Jesus. But we had this crazy idea this Easter 2019. We said, hey, let's do something different. Let's give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And in that very moment, mark the moment and go public with their faith in baptism. Let's do it again, just like they did it in the Bible. Would that be okay Orchard Church if we did that today and so we're gonna give some of you that opportunity Whether you just said yes to Jesus or recently and you've not been able to go public with your faith in baptism, because that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is an outward display of our inward faith. It is not the act of baptism that saves us or forgives us. It's our belief and faith does, but it's the first step of obedience and and going public. And when we get baptized, what we're saying publicly is, I'm awake in Christ. I'm alive. I've been made new. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I have a home in heaven. I've spiritually gone from darkness to light and lost to found and death to Life. Baptism is a public declaration of our new association with Jesus. We like to say it this way at Orchard that being baptized is going public with your faith. I mean, think about this 2,000 years ago, Jesus publicly died on the cross to pay for our sins. We can go public for him through believer's baptism. I like to call baptism the wedding ring of the Christian life. You know, why is it that we put a wedding ring on the moment after we get married? Because we want people to know I belong to someone, I'm committed, I'm taken, and I'm not ashamed for everyone to know it. That's what baptism is. It's the wedding ring of the Christian life. Now, do I have to wear a wedding ring to be married? No. Do I have to wear a wedding ring if I wanna be happily married? You better believe it. Does someone have to be baptized to be a Christian? Absolutely not. But should someone want to be baptized because they want to make God smile and they want to obey God and go public with their faith? Yes, absolutely. That's what baptism is all about. And some of you came in here today and you're like, okay, why do we have a pool or a really large jacuzzi, uh, you know, right here in the church auditorium today? This is not Pastor Doug's hot tub after I do six services, okay? This is our baptism pool. He said, why do you need a pool? Because we want to baptize the way they did it in the Bible. And it's always the same way in the Bible. It's by full immersion. They either got down into a lake, a pond, or a river. Because the word baptize comes from the Latin word baptizo. It means to immerse. Now, don't miss this. Some of you may hear this for the first time. Why does God want us to fully immerse as the symbol of our faith? Because the act of baptism going down into the water and coming up out of the water is a perfect, beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Easter and what it's all about. And that I identify that with that. You may ask, well, who, who should get baptized? Well, if you've just said yes to Jesus, you've just come awake, man, this is the day. This is your moment. Mark this moment. If maybe you've recently said yes to Jesus, but you haven't had a chance to get baptized, this is your moment. Maybe you're like Richard and Erica in the story. You you say, you know, I was baptized before, but I kind of walked away from the Lord. I want to rededicate my life. And I want to, is it okay to be baptized more than once? Absolutely. It's kind of like renewing your wedding vows. There's nothing wrong with getting baptized more than once if that's what God's laying on your heart. I was baptized twice in my life. My wife was baptized a couple of times. Maybe you want to get baptized with your spouse or with your kids or with a friend. Nothing wrong with that at all. And here's a very common question we get all the time here at Orchard Church when it comes to baptism. You know, people say, well, I was baptized as an infant. I was baptized as a baby, but I don't really remember it. I I didn't really have a choice. I'm I'm grateful and thankful my parents did that for me. Would it be okay to get baptized now as a teenager or as an adult? Because I understand it. Absolutely. We would actually encourage that after you've said yes to Jesus. Because, see, if you got baptized as a baby, that was about your parents' faith. This is about your faith. If you got baptized as an infant, that was meaningful to your family and your parents, but this is meaningful to you. And we've had hundreds of people over the last 14 years that have been rebaptized as an adult, and it was so meaningful to them. Now, we would ask, if you have kids that are under the age of six, we want them to go through a class first, a baptism class. We want to make sure they've definitely said yes to Jesus in faith, and then they understand what baptism is. But if you're six years of age or older, and you want to get baptized today, we're going to allow you to do it here in just a moment. And I, I, I see how some of y'all are looking at me. You're like, you crazy little pastor. Are you kidding me? I did not plan to come and get in a pool today. I didn't come prepared. I didn't bring my swimsuit. Well, here's the good news. God told us to prepare for you. We knew God was going to work in some of your hearts. We have t-shirts of all sizes. We have shorts of all sizes. We have towels. The water is the perfect warm temperature because some of you men are like sissy girls and you'll scream and cry. The ladies can handle it. You say what but but i've got people i'd like to see this and they're not here we're going to video it we're going to take pictures of it you can share it with the world many of you get to preach the rest of this message with your life going public in believers baptism now before you run for the doors we've already locked them you're not getting out (laughs) listen don't miss this opportunity don't let anyone talk you out of going public with your faith if god is telling you to do this. And most importantly, don't talk yourself out of it. Go for it. I can't think of a better day to go public with your faith in baptism than Easter Sunday. This is the perfect opportunity. And so here's the deal. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to worship together and we're going to celebrate all of the new life represented through baptism. And we're, we're gonna do that together, but before we do that, if you're ready to be baptized, everybody turn around, and look to the back, see this baptism sign and the exit door right there in the back. If you go right there, our volunteers will meet you. We'll get your shorts, and your T-shirts, we'll get you your towels and all that. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna count to three. On a count three, if you you may be the only one, but I don't believe you will be, and you know God's telling you to do this. You without delay, get up and go and get ready to get baptized. One, two, three. Who's going public with their faith today? Oh, we got people moving already. Do what these people are doing right here. Do what this lady's doing. This girl right here got one right here. If God is telling you, there's a lady right here, guy right here. Let's cheer him on, Orchard Church. Amen. It's not too late. We've got some more getting up right here. Got some more right here. Got a guy right here. we got some people right here. we got another guy right there. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Let's celebrate new life this Easter.